You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. What's going on, everyone? This is the, the My Ignatian podcast slash post press conference video. We're doing uh, all together in one as we lead into the Christmas holiday because Christmas always comes a little bit early nowadays. It's early signing day for uh, Texas A&M football and college football around the country. Texas A&M signs 16 players as a part of their 2023 class that, uh, at least as of the time of this recording, was ranked number 14 in the 247 composite team rankings and I believe sixth in the SEC uh, on those uh, same rankings. Um, Alex, of course, I'm Travis Brown with the Eagle alongside <laughs> Alex Miller, also of the Eagle. Alex, what's your initial takeaways from from this class? I know as far as recruiting things go at the Eagle, you're, you're the most dialed in on on that stuff. Yeah, I mean, everybody wanted to talk last year just about Anum's number one class and, you know, how did the Aggies do it? And oh my gosh, there's all these five stars and holy crap, this kid flipped and this kid committed. And this year's just, it's just kind of been a little lackluster. I mean, that's, that's just the simplest way to put it. I mean, yes, you, you've got a couple of big names. Uh, most notably Ruben Owens has signed. They've still got David Hicks committed five-star defensive lineman out of Katy. He's uh, reportedly supposed to sign on Friday. And, uh, but I mean, this is a this is a this is not a bad signing class at all. But in comparison to what AM had last year and what you thought AM was potentially building toward, it's certainly kind of a letdown. And you know, we can get into it in a minute, but they missed out on some key targets throughout this cycle that, you know, if if they would have had maybe two or three other guys in this class, we'd be sitting here, Travis, talking about Man, you know, Anum went five and seven, but they still inked a top eight, maybe even a top five class, and that, that's just kind of out of the question right now. I, I think if you ask, and we did, and Jimbo Fisher did kind of lead it off, saying that with the the size of the class that they took in last year, that they were expecting a smaller class right. this year. Um, that that doesn't excuse missing out on some of those guys, like you said, it, it, it and. In in essence, it, it kind of changes a little bit from last year when you didn't know that you were going to have 24 guys from the 2022 class leaving via the transfer portal and having to get back up to those 85 scholarships. So uh, it's going to be interesting to, to, to see how that goes. And really along that note, Jimbo Fisher said uh, didn't really give any firm numbers as far as transfer portal or uh, rounding out the signing class uh, before the or by the second uh, National Signing Day in February, where they're going to be, how close uh, to, to net zero they're going to be from where they were last year in recouping uh, some of those transfer guys. But that's a that's a conversation for a later podcast. Uh, let, let's get a little bit into some of these guys. We mentioned Ruben Owens out of uh, uh, El Campo, a five-star guy. Jimbo said he can run, he can cash. He is just uh, the all-around kind of back that you'd want to get. He, he kind of stands out as the, the bell cow, maybe even a guy that could see some playing time next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you think about it when, especially considering A&M is losing Devon A chain to the draft. I mean, running back's kind of an unproven position uh, for, for A&M and, and you go down the list, he's the only running back that's signed. I know Dalton Brooks is a guy that's played running back, but Jimbo was pretty clear he's going to be playing safety here mm -hmm. at A&M. And so, uh, yes, running back is a position of need because 
I think that a lack of good depth this year and guys being ready and able to play kind of that that's part of the reason why AM's offense just was not as great this season. And so, you know, having just a guy as talented as Ruben Owens coming in, I mean, that is a big win. And you think about it too, he was committed to Louisville for a long time and, you know, kind of, kind of out of the blue commits to Louisville, a, a school you probably wouldn't think a five-star kid from Texas would you know, be pledging to. And then of course they go through a coaching change and the day that he decommits, he later commits to A&M. And Travis, what's interesting too, is that before he committed A&M, like, I don't think they had a skill guy committed in this class. And that was when it started getting into that limbo period when, when Daryl Dickey was let go and there started the offensive coordinator search. And now you look at it, they, they basically flipped Ruben Owens from Louisville they flipped, um, gosh, where is he? Marcel Reed from Ole Miss, yes. quarterback mm-hmm. out of Nashville. That Jimbo, I mean, he he led off talking about Mar- Marcel Reed and shouldn't be surprised, Jimbo's quarterback guy. And then today they get their first receiver of the class from Tulsa and Micah Tease, who was committed to Arkansas earlier this week. So they've been able to flip some guys late that I wouldn't, Certainly, adding Ruben Owens is not salvaging the class, but the 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 fact of the matter is, Anum needed skill position guys. They have had they have had uh, you know guys at receiver leave. You know, think about Devin Price. Um, some of these other guys, uh, Chris Marshall is not returning, and so uh, wide receiver is certainly a position of need all of a sudden. And so, being able to get some of these guys was was a big win for Anum late, even though maybe they're not, you know the big five-star recruit that, you know, A&M was used to getting it last year this time this time of year. Yeah, I, uh, Marcel Reed, you mentioned the quarterback. Uh, you, you can't necessarily talk about Marcel Reed without bringing up Austin Novosad, uh, the, the, the Texas quarterback who uh, was committed for Baylor a long time, flipped uh, from Baylor to Oregon today. His whole family is Aggies. He's a guy that A&M wanted to, to lean on hard to be the, the, the quarterback for this class. They didn't get it, so Marcel Reed steps up to be the, the, the second option uh, for that class. Mr. Tennessee uh, is a dual threat guy, can both run it and throw it. Uh, I want to say, let's see what the, uh, the stats are here. Yeah, you know, he, he, led his, he led his team to a state championship appearance this season. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. Career, 6,357 uh, 6, passing yards and 67 passing, 62 passing touchdowns, rushed for 2,277 uh, 2, yards and 38 scores. You, pretty pretty solid dual threat numbers. Yeah, and I mean, Mr. Tennessee football, that's that's pretty impressive state championship appearances as a junior and senior. You know, thinking about guys like that, uh, they signed Chance Johnson today from College Station, a local kid. He, he was a key part of College Station's defense, uh, a guy that we talk about on our high school podcast throughout the season. And, you know, linebackers, certainly a position of need, especially – when Anthony Hill decommitted, I mean that was a big loss for A and M. When when you when you look back at this recruiting cycle for A and M, it was such a big win when they got Anthony Hill because he was such a priority target for them, knowing that they needed a linebacker, and it was such a big blow when not only he decommitted from A and M, but then he signs with Texas, who is you know one of A and M's top rivals in recruiting, and you know potentially soon to be on the field uh, and could be when, when Anthony's 
playing at, at with the Longhorns could be suiting up against the Aggies here in a couple of years. So that was that was a big blow to AM's, you know, recruiting cycle when you look back at it. Yeah, you bring up a very good point there. So you, you also brought up uh, Chance Johnson, the linebacker from College Station, the local guy. You being on our high school team, have gotten to see him play uh, some. Uh, what what can Aggie fans expect from from Chance? Yeah, I mean he's just a he's just a solid dude. He's smart. He's well built. I mean, he, yes, he's only six foot one, two hundred ten pounds, but you know he is a guy that is 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 a strength coach's son. He's got a great a and at a And M, by the way. And to be clear, Jimbo said that that was the the offer and the signing was not indicative of oh his dad's just on staff no this kid's actually good and so uh that's a that's a good addition for for A&M and uh you know not a, not a ton of local kids end up going to A&M to play football they have in other sports but you know it's kind of every 3 or 4 years the last one was Devin Price before that Riley Garner and so both from A&M Consolidated. This is the first kid from College Station to sign with A&M in football. And so he's a guy that, you know, was on the D-line in last year's run to a state championship game and then moved more so to kind of a stand-up edge uh, linebacker kind of kind of player in a 3-4 kind of look. Think, think of it kind of like an Yvonne Miller type of position. And so, you know, that kind of bodes well for what A&M does. I mean, think about what they did with a guy like Anai White, who more of a slender frame, not not quite a linebacker, but not quite a defensive end either, kind of a tweener guy. And even a guy like LT Overton, you, you mm-hmm. saw him playing in that kind of position this year too. So that's kind of where I think Chance Johnson fits in. But uh, yeah, good, good pickup for the Aggies here late in this cycle. I thought it was interesting, too. Well, hold on. Before okay. you get on that, yeah, yeah, well, I want to yeah. say one more thing. When you mentioned the LT Overton and the Nye White, it was interesting what they did last year because a lot of times when fans would look on and say, that's a, that's a three-man front. Why, why is A&M in a three-man front in this running situation or a team that runs the ball a lot? The three-man front was actually three down linemen, and LT Overton or Nye White uh, stood up, sometimes even over but, in oh, coverage. Even both of them at the same time. <laughs> right, and so if they're going to stick with that scheme with DJ Durkin, that's an important uh, – that having that kind of edge rusher that's a little bit of a hybrid is a little is important in this system. What were you going to say? You know, I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, going back to Reuben Owens and even Dalton Brooks and uh, Bravion Rogers from LaGrange. It was funny. Jimbo called them the, the three amigos down from the, the coastal <laughs> bend. And so, you know, those are three guys that play at a smaller classification, Dalton Brooks and 2A, and then both uh, Bravion Rogers and... Ruben Owens in Class 4A. If you haven't seen Dalton Brooks play, I mean he he is a he is just a ball player. Uh, he he is really good. He played on both sides of the ball. Uh, Shiner won back to back state championships when he was a, a sophomore and junior. And so uh, I'm trying to pull up. Yeah, here he is. And so you know, all state kind of player, uh, offensive MVP as as a sophomore. And so. A&M certainly getting a guy that that is just an absolute playmaker, and then you throw in a guy like Bravian Rogers. Uh, A&M needs cornerbacks. Like that's just that's just the fact of the matter. They they need guys at corner, and 
he's a guy that you know might have a chance to play pretty early, uh, considering where AM's at at that position. Yeah, before we get too far off, uh, our high school team, you and Jake Weiss, went out to College Station High School to check out the signing day action there, and uh, you got to talk to Chance Johnson. Let's hear a little bit of that in, uh, interview right now. Just how's that feel to you, man? Oh, it feels amazing. It's a blessing to have the opportunity to go to SC school and compete and get a, a great education and life after football. Uh, you know, I know it was kind of a busy process for you guys. Uh, you pretty happy to be done with the uh, kind of the process of everything? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad to be done. It's a stress reliever. And, uh, you know, obviously, you, I know you're wearing some blue for Marquise, man. Uh, you know, you, Marquise, AJ, you guys all kind of signed today. Big, big exciting day for you guys. Just uh, how much does it mean to you to kind of have, you know, all three of you guys signed today and sign with big programs? It means a lot because I know what my other brother's been through to get to this moment. So it's, it's like a great feeling to know that they're going off and doing something great. Also, like all three of us together. So it's awesome. And then uh, just like, how excited are you, man, uh, to be you know, going to A&M, kind of staying here in town? Uh, you know, you're the first College Station Cougar, you know, to sign with A&M. Just how cool is that kind of for you? Um, it's an amazing feeling. I mean, ultimately a blessing. Um, I guess it's, it's great to be the first one. Yeah. I feel like others could too, but it's it's all a blessing for everybody to be able to go play Division One football. So. And uh, what are you kind of most excited, I guess, about you know going to A&M and playing linebacker there? Really, really having the chance to compete and um, have a great relationship with the coaches. So going in there working and knowing I'm playing with a great D-line, great defensive coaches, and an amazing head coach. And then I know you'll, uh, you know, you'll be having your ceremony, or you'll be ha probably having a ceremony a little later. Is that right? Like February? yes, sir, February fourth. Gotcha. So uh, obviously, you know, still big celebration for you coming later this month or later in a couple months. But, uh, you know, just uh, going to do anything tonight, though, to celebrate maybe with the family? Uh, yes, sir. Me, my mom and dad will go eat tonight. Yes, sir. It's good to hear from Chance Johnson there. Thanks to him for uh, giving us a few minutes and talking with us. We can't finish this out without talking about the offensive line because that's the, the position group that they took the most players in this year uh, for, at least as far as the early signing period. Uh, some, some good names on the list. The one that stands out to me is Colton Thomason from uh, 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 Smithson Valley because you got to see him play. Uh, this year, when I believe it was College Station uh, ran through yeah. there on the way to state, um, what do you what do you like? What do you not like about this group? And and uh, especially looking at Thomason, who you've seen play, uh, Colton Thomason is a huge dude. Uh, I stood right next to him during their warmups, and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is a giant. He, <laughs> I mean, literally, he is six foot eight, three hundred twenty five pounds, and you know, he 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 seemed to be the guy, you know. Think about, think about how good Bobby Taylor was, you know, kind of that self-recruiter within the recruiting class for that number one 22 class. Colton Thomason seemed to be kind of the vocal leader among the commits. Once he committed to a and it was pretty early. You know, he, he's been committed to A&M for a while, and he never really wavered in that pledge. And so ha having a guy like that, you know, when you, when you think about when you're recruiting, you need, you need guys like that to, you know, kind of help your class. But on the field, he is a, he is a huge dude. And uh, looking at some of these other guys, I mean, Nikhil Betrand from Philadelphia, he's 6'6", 340. Chase Basantis, okay, he's probably the top-rated guy from this group. He's 6'5", 305 out of New Jersey. If I can pull up his stuff right here. And, and being the top-rated guy, and, and looks like to be the smallest guy of the group, too. Yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, he he's the number one offensive lineman in out of the state of New Jersey, 
and uh, you know they had a state championship game appearance this season, and so you know they Anum needs Anum needs depth at offensive line. They need quality depth at offensive line, and some of these guys are are going to provide that. Not to mention you have T.J. Shanahan, who you know played at Austin Westlake. They had a three-peat uh, state championship run. He got hurt at the end of the season. Not quite sure what his status is uh, going into the spring. But, I mean, he just comes from a school that all they do is win. And so, you know, AM did pretty solid, it seems, on the offensive line. And, and they really needed to because at, at times last year, AM's offensive line was just continued to be a work in progress and a lot of injuries and – that's where you need that depth, that quality depth to come in to, you know, be able to, to keep keep trudging along, especially in the trenches. I mean, we talk about it all the time. It, it starts up front line of scrimmage in the SEC, and, you know, these are the guys that they're going to be turning to the next couple years to get that done. It was hard this year to focus completely on just the players and the class because of the looming cloud hovering over the athletic or the, the football program, and that is – figuring out what the blueprint of the offense is going to look like. And that starts with hiring a new offensive coordinator. And that also goes into figuring out if Jimbo Fisher is going to hand over the play calling duties uh, to, to whoever this new offensive coordinator is. They uh, fired Daryl Dickey, the former offensive coordinator, uh, end of November. So they've been up on the recruiting trail about three and a half weeks with that spot being vacated. Of course, Daryl Dickey, the offensive coordinator, typically in the past in Jimbo Fisher's offenses has been a, a helper more than a guy who actually runs the offense because, of course, Jimbo Fisher ran the offense, called the plays uh, as the head coach as well. Uh, he, he had some interesting comments about um, not only the recruiting process. Well, well, first, let's just get into the fact that he said not having an offensive coordinator didn't affect recruiting any of these guys. He said that in a, in a kind of vague sense that uh, the routes are the routes and they're going to stay the same and, and these guys know what offense looks like. It's, it's committing to the program. And, and so he, he was quick to jump in to say that the, having no offensive coordinator didn't affect the recruiting any th- this year. Um, and, and they were able to pull in, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all of their offensive skill players – since Daryl Dickey has been fired. Oh, yeah, and we didn't even mention Jaden Platt. He's the tight end from from Hazlitt, uh, Eden High School up north of Fort Worth. And, yeah, I mean, what's crazy is that that's true. Yeah. I mean, you got a quarterback, you got a running back, you got a receiver, you got a tight end. And, yes, it's only one of each, but less than a month ago you had none at any of those positions. So, that was a huge deal for AM to get something when they had nothing. And even more so because, yes, the offense is still in limbo. AM does not have, they have not hired an offense coordinator. Yeah. Let's, let's hear what Jimbo Fisher had to say about where that lies with the offensive coordinator, the timetable, and what that looks like for AM. And then finally, would you have a timeline on when you might hire the, the OC? And no, when the right time comes. Or is it going to look like someone that kind of looks similar to your style? Or? No, we're, we're talking to multiple twos of people. We're focusing on recruiting like we were here, and we'll get the best guys that can move the ball. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, just for instance, I had some uh, – quality control guys in, guys we're boxing higher, and guys have run this offense and that offense and offense. And when you draw it on the board, there ain't a hill of beans between none of it. I keep saying that. Whether it's – you keep saying pro style, run and shoot uh, – or not run and shoot, but uh, 
was it spread or what do you call it, air raid? All the routes are the same. Just how you do things, how just multiple little things. Football's football, and overs and over, digs a dig. So we'll get guy, get the right guy that we think can fit, fit and move the football. And then in regards to the new OC, when will you make a decision on if you call the play still or if the new OC calls? Nah, the we'll wait and see what goes in. Hopefully, they will. So I can diverse. And there's a lot of things going on now in college football that head coach. My job has changed so much in the last two years; it's ridiculous. Probably more so as head coaches, things you got to deal with away from ball more in the last two years than it's ever been in college football, maybe ever because of all the things that go on and the circumstances because of the new things that go on. So we'll see when we get them in here. That was Jimbo Fisher talking a little bit about how that offensive coordinator search is going, no real timetable, uh, and it, it could come from any variety of, of uh, offensive backgrounds because Jimbo Fisher said, you know, football is football is his, was his quote. So, uh, so here's my real question. Here's my, my biggest thing coming into this, and it was the first line of questioning I presented to Jimbo. You get 85 scholarships uh, for a football team. They're down 24, 20, 22 scholarships because 22 of the 24 from last year's class were walk-ons. So you're down 22 scholarships plus those three who are going early to the NFL. It's 25. And then plus the, the graduation. Uh, we won't know plus the exact number. maybe Anias Smith. He still hasn't made a decision. You're, you're, you're getting darn near, if not over, 30 available scholarships. You're going to fill 16 of those here, but that still leaves a hefty chunk that you have to either continue to recruit at the high school level or bring into the transfer portal. I just don't see how A&M gets to 85 scholarships, and that's not counting if they're going to throw a few at some 12th man type guys who earned, you know, by their hustle, who aren't going to see a whole lot of playing time, the, uh, the, the Sam Matthews types uh, of those kind of guys. Not counting those. I don't see how they're going to get to a legitimate 85 scholarships by that time comes, unless they just absolutely raid the transfer portal. But by every report and everything we're seeing, there's not a whole lot of names being floated out there about interest in coming to A&M. Yeah, what's interesting, it will be interesting to see, you know, what ends up happening, especially once, you know, once the bowl games end and once, you know, maybe some of these New Year's Six bowl games and even the playoff ends and, you know, you've got maybe some of the, higher rated guys that would have entered the transfer portal the fact of the matter is there's a there's so many guys in the transfer portal that you know they don't they don't all find landing spots which is sad by the Mm way uh but you know i i think the i think the bigger question is can a&m replace what they lost with the the type of talent and the the quality of depth that they had i mean they've lost a lot of their backups and so that's been that's been a big deal and can you can you replace those guys with the same caliber of players that are that are going to be able to come in and do that the good news for AM is that the the transfer portal still open through the middle of january they're going to have the second signing period for high school and they can still hit the portal at the end of the spring in that second window that they've now established. But at the same time, they're going to have to make sure that they don't lose guys in that second window again. Sure. Uh, and, and to be fair to A&M and, and uh, to the coaching staff, like we've said all along, if you look at there, – there was always the talk of the mass exodus because A&M had a, had a five-win season. People, especially kids from that number one recruiting class last year, were going to get fed up and they were going to leave. Don't Don't – 
mince words about it, A&M leads the SEC in players in the transfer portal. But if you look at the, the profile of the player that's in the portal, like you said, it, it's, it's the number two line on the depth chart all the way across, pretty much. It, it's guys who probably weren't going to start next year but might be depth players. And so yeah. it is key. And I think the transfer portal is going to be even more key than the high school recruits in this season for the Aggies because one of the problems that plagued them last year was immaturity. It oh, was yeah. on the field, off the field. It was just experience. And so I think even if you have a guy who might not be quite as as many stars as the guy that you lost, I think if you bring in a guy who has experience – uh, and knows how to not only handle, handle himself on the field, but the guy who knows how to manage classes and, and carry himself off the field. a and going to be in a better spot than they were last year. It's just if they're going to be able to get enough of those guys in, um, that, that, that can make a difference to, to bolster that depth. The good news for AM is they kept the core of the guys that are the, are the starters and the young talent that really emerged. Connor Wegman's coming back. Evan Stewart's coming back. Donovan Green's coming back. Uh, Walter Nolan, Shamar Stewart, Bryce Anderson, Jacoby Matthews. I mean, the list goes on and on. And the guys that played and separated themselves as kind of the cream of the crop of that number one class, they're they're mostly back sans, you know, the Denver Harrises and the Chris Marshall uh, stuff. I mean, the, that's the good news for A&M is that, yes, they, they have lost a ton of guys and they, they certainly have work to do. But the, the good news for AM is that they have kept the core of, of what they had and where they could go these next couple years. Exactly. Let's close out with this. Uh, what's the one player on here that you're the most excited to to see, maybe to get to get fired up in, in fall camp? Whew. Okay. I'm gonna go I definitely gotta go Ruben Owens. I mean, he he was just such he's just such an electric player. I didn't get to see him when they played Navasota there in the same district, but got to, you know, look at the box score and I've seen some of his highlights. That dude can ball. I mean, he, he is a runner. He is really good. And Adam needs him to, to be that guy out the gate uh, because, you know, Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss, they started coming along at the end of the season, but they they're still not a they're they're neither of them are, are proven commodities still and so being able to have that depth and have a guy with the potential to come in and do something like that uh that's that's certainly something to watch and uh i'm curious we didn't even mention this guy but javon thomas uh guy out of south oak cliff in mm-hmm. dallas back-to-back state champ and uh dude's just a ball player uh he played a lot of offense this year you watch them when they when they played PNG in the title game wasn't playing a ton of defense they had a loaded secondary by the way and uh he's a guy that that I'm interested to see as well Anum's got some really good young talent in that safety room and uh curious to see what they can do at corner because that's certainly a position of need well since you took my two I'm going to go down the line and I'm going to (laughs) continue with a theme from last year and I'm going to go Jaden Platt because a I had a lot of questions about that tight end room last year. Like, yes, who's going to play? How is it all going to work? How do you, in today's football, do you even have that many tight ends on a roster? And, 
I still kind of feel like I have a lot of questions about what that tight end room is going to be. But uh, Jimbo Fisher perked my interest because he's a guy that said he had like a 5.6 uh, ERA uh, GPA. <laughs> that's uh, not very that's good. That's not a good e- – <laughs> no, but a 5.6 or 5.1 GPA is ridiculous. Yeah, he's And he's ma- aerospace engineering. Or- I mean, okay, he's a guy – we didn't really talk about him. Anum flipped him from Stanford. Mm-hmm. He was between Anum, Stanford, and Florida. Uh, newsflash – Stanford and Florida are really good academic schools, and A&M has a really good engineering program, so it's no surprise that this kid's pretty smart. So, uh, just hitting, he needed to throw like a like a UTEP or a Colorado in there just to hit all of the time zones. Yeah, what's what's like what's like a really smart school in Mountain Time Zone? Um, is there one? Is Utah a good school? We'll go with Utah. I don't know. I don't know if there's any like. Uh, um, BYU is that a good BYU is a pretty BYU good, school. Is a good school. Yeah, BYU. I would not say Arizona or Arizona State. No, we'll, either uh, way, this we'll, kid's really smart. Yes. and uh, we'll see if he's pretty good on the football field too. But Anum, uh, Anum, adding to that that deep tight end room, they got all these guys. I'm not gonna lie, I'm surprised that we uh, talked almost 30 minutes about. Hey, one more thing. Well, keep going. If if you haven't seen the video of Terry and York, the linebacker who committed from ba- or from Temple, he was committed to Baylor, uh, decommitted, committed to A and M, signed with A and M. Great video, go watch it. It's a it's a good one. He seems like he's a he's a he's a hardworking player. So A uh, and M needed depth at linebacker too. So yeah, there you go. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and for listening to this week's edition of the My Nation podcast, as well as this little post signing day press conference recap that we had. Be sure to find all of our coverage from today, not only from the AM level, but from the high school level at uh, theeagle.com and also the AM site at myagnation.com. Uh, so for Alex Miller, I'm Travis Brown. This is the My Nation podcast, and we'll see you next week. Merry Christmas. Actually, you're right. We'll see you probably after the Christmas holiday. So have a good Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It seems like every day, everything just has a way, a way to must have seems. But if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good loving needs a girl, we know that's true. We want to keep it We got to watch everything that we do Yeah, yeah Don't want to make sure my baby Make sure you're sticking with me Don't want to make sure that we'll be All that we can be All that we can be